Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Oh, dude, I just got... I gotta start off and tell you, I had such a great intro that somehow got deleted and I do not know how to get it back and this one is just not going to be as good as the one that disappeared in the thin air but welcome back everybody to episode 24 oh I'm just so jacked you guys are here today because I have a great episode for you featuring Bob Hines of Central Coast Angling Bob uh, runs a guide business up here in northwest Michigan out of the Grand Traverse Bay area and him and I went fishing a few weeks ago for Lakers, Cisco, and Whitefish. So on this episode, we break down exactly what we did. Bob shares with us his technique, his program that he's run on his boat that has been successful for him and his clients over the years and has built a name for himself in the Grand Traverse area uh, going for lake trout on light tackle. And it's kind of cool because if you guys aren't familiar with this area up here, there's a lot of salmon charters, a lot of people taking, uh, or uh, the other thing is smallmouth too. We have a great smallmouth fishery in the in the Grand Traverse Bay area. But Bob is someone who is jacked about lake trout. And I think that's awesome because I love fishing for lake trout. And after hearing this podcast, I hope you guys are too. So without any further ado, here's Bob Hines. Well... I needed today off. So you fly out tomorrow? Yeah, in the morning. Yeah. All right, we're kicking it here with Bob Hines from Central Coast Angling. What's up, Bob? Hey, how we doing? Good. Good, good. Well, first off, thanks for buying tonight's beverages for me. Hey, happy. happy I got in the truck. I forgot my wallet. It happens. It happens. I felt I mean, terrible when I got going. I'm like, wow, I'm asking you to do the podcast, and then I forget my wallet, and then I ask you to buy me a beer. Hey, it's just a beer, man. You can you can get me next time we go out on the water. That's right. Net my fish or take the hooks out or something. Yeah. So, you know, I know you through a mutual friend, uh, Brendan. And yeah, Brendan Terrian. Yeah, that's right. Big and knucklehead. We got linked up together up here. I didn't know you before talking to Brendan, but Brendan was coming up here temporarily for work. And uh, crashing in my basement for a couple months. That's right. <laughs> Just bumming it, fishing whenever he can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was hunting season then, so we were kind of like hunting junkies. But and, and now he's back downstate. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good place for him. He needs to be down there and whooping on walleye and stuff and working. But anyways, you were nice enough to invite me out fishing, even though you've never met me, which was awesome. It's Thank okay. You it's for part, doing that. part of the part of uh, my everyday reality of being a charter fishing captain. So. Are you always typically looking for people to fish with, or what? Uh, no, I try to avoid people to fish with. I have a pretty tight circle of guys like Brendan, yeah, his buddy Matt, a couple other buddies, and I pretty much just stick with my dad. So, uh, yeah, I, I try to stay in a tight group. Um, other than when I'm working, just because fishing, you have to separate fish for you know your free time of fishing and then you have to be able to uh, also make it a job so it's definitely a job anybody that wants to be a charter captain thinks it's fun it's they should maybe uh 
do like job shadow for like two weeks and hear yeah. all the f bombs when <laughs> I scream up driving home or no, <laughs> no, it's 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 fun. I really enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely my passion. Fishing's always been my passion, so I like helping people that uh, aren't on the cutting edge of guys like you and I and Brendan or some of the other local guys that get to go out there and whoop on the fish constantly. Uh, people that I had clients on. Uh, what is it? Friday. They've lived here their entire life. One gentleman was 55. Another one was 64. They'd never fished the bay in their entire life. And uh, we went on there and just whooped on. What? They're like, oh, good day for us. Two, three, two, three fish. And this is great. And I'm like, yeah, just keep casting. Just get another one. There's another one out there. So <laughs> I forget what magazine it's in, but like Grand Traverse Bay and Traverse City area was like named one of the best fishing destinations in the United States for like a, being a quote unquote fish city for people to go to, to to for such a diversity it is it's a diversity thing i mean our smallmouth bass fishery is so huge i i have barely even tapped into that yeah. um it's and it's because now that i don't like bass i'm just i'm not a bass guy i'm a trout guy i'm a you know i've kind of always been a trout guy uh just never jumped into the bass thing and used to trout fish a lot of the rivers and then I jumped into the trout thing on the lake and fell in love with it and it's close to my house and we have a ton of tourism here and we get new people constantly coming to the area luckily it's warm enough in the summer months although it is the third week of May and it's pouring rain and 55 60 degrees right now it doesn't seem like it seems like late April early May not late May so yeah it's been weird it's been taking it's a, been long a cold time. spring super cold spring Even, leaves are just popping <clears throat> It's been cold and it's been super wet. I'd say more more rainfall than than typically. The rivers are high, the the lakes are high. So even down in the Detroit River, I know a lot of guys had trouble. You know, he, I mean, at the marina and things like that, their boat was up over the level. When I was down there last stuff. last week, the dock was underwater. Yeah. So I had cl- clients climbing down a wall to get into my boat. <laughs> so all right, don't get your feet wet, guys. So you know what surprised me when I was <clears throat> since moving up here was. Like you said, people who have lived here their entire life never fish the bays. But also, folks don't realize that the diversity of the fishery that it has, like they don't know what kind of species are in there. Typically, they see charter boats go out there saying, oh, it's the salmon boats. And really, that's about it. No, I think that's a general classification. I mean, you look at any boat, um, the salmon fishing industry in Michigan, whether it's Lake Huron or you know, the western side of Lake Michigan, on Lake Michigan Basin, people see those boats that are 25 plus foot, you know, they have a cab on them, they've got the rods sticking up, well, they're going out to catch salmon. Right. And, you know, that is true right now in the southern part of Lake Michigan, down by St. Joe in that area in the southern basin, they are salmon fishing. Well, those fish are going to migrate, you know, here in a couple of weeks, and they'll be getting them in Ludington and then Manistee, yep. maybe even Frankfurt. And then they're going to kind of cut across the lake and they're going to go up, you know, to Wisconsin and that area. And they're going to, you know, they're going to spend their summer months, July over there. And then they're going to come back and, you know, then it's, it's going to be late August and September is going to be salmon time here in Traverse City. So yeah, I mean, people see those boats and I think that's just a general classification. In reality, those boats are going out, you know, they're just starting to go out of the ports now here in Traverse City. And what they're doing is they're going out and they're targeting the lake trout. Right. And, and you know, there there are the Cisco there, or some people aren't familiar with the term Cisco. That's what we call them here, but it's a it's a lake herring is what lake it herring, is. Lake herring, yeah. yeah. A lot of people think, well, you know, what? It, what's the difference between a whitefish? Because they're very similar to a whitefish in the shape but not in the size. Um, whitefish are generally considerably larger in Grand Traverse Bay. The 
most fish we see are four to six pounds in Grand Traverse Bay where the herring are, you know, two to three pounds. And they cook up the same too. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great. I mean, I wouldn't say I have a freezer full of fish, but being on the water a lot, I uh, definitely, I take a fresh one when I feel the need. I just don't freeze them. So. All right. So you grew up here, right? I did. I did. I actually grew up in Kalkaska County, which is about 30 minutes to the uh, west here. And in 2015, I relocated to Traverse City and kind of have uh, replanted my roots here. And just uh, I'd always fish the bay a lot, even with my grandpa and my dad. And, you know, growing up as a kid, I can remember being seasick with my dad over in like Frankfurt fishing flat Bay for coho when I was like five years old. So yeah, I've got definitely got a lot of roots on the uh, Lake Michigan side and there's always been a lot of salmon and lake trout and king or, you know, coho fishing. So yeah, it's, it's always been a lot of that. So why lake trout for you? Cause you're a big lake trout. I guy. am a big lake trout guy. I am extremely fascinated with it's like, it's borderline an obsession with lake trout. Um, I want to catch them all summer long. I think it's the predatory, you know, they're such predators, right? I can go out there and I can give them a one ounce spoon. That's like two and a half inches long and they'll eat it all day. Or I can go out there and swing a, you know, a 10 inch white bass musky predator tube with a six ounce head and they're going to engulf it. There's such a predatory fish and their metabolism just burns and burns and burns. And they're just hungry little buggers. And, they fight, they're heavy, they eat good. You can catch them on a sunny day. And then, you know, there's none of this staying up till one or two o'clock. I think that's my favorite part about it is I burnt myself out on the so many late nights of fishing on the rivers for brown trout and everything that I can go out and I can get bit on the brightest day in 90 degrees. I can be out there in my board shorts, swimming trunks, whatever you want to call them. I can be out there and barefooted with the jams on they bite. Right. I can take my seven-year-old daughter out there and she can just hammer on them. You know what I like about them <clears throat> is they're always hungry. They're always hungry. So you can feed them anything. Yes. And it's not like, you know, other fish where, you know, like for example, walleye, a lot of the times when you jig for them in the river or whatever it is, it's more of a reaction bite. It right? is. They it don't is. know what it is. They're just, they're opening their mouth because either they're annoyed or whatever it is. They're, they're, they're just trying to get it out of their face. Something, you know, they're not always putting on the feedback, but it seems like lake trout, they're these roaming survivalists, you know, they've got to eat in order to, to keep trucking kind of fish. Cause they always have the feedback on. And like you said, that changes throughout the year of what kind of like they're, what they're into. It, but, it but, does. It definitely, um, you know, you and I had a lot of talk about tactics on how you've successfully yeah. got them. And I think we we're like 180. I'm like, why would I go buy bait? You know, when I can get them on art, you know, I can get them on some form of a spoon or a, you know, a bondy bait or a great big tube, you know, and then you, you, and then I'm like, maybe I really should go buy like a 10 inch sucker and just put it down there because I love getting that bite on the big bait. It's like my favorite thing. Just watch them just crash it. It's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that fish just ate it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, my opinion, after, I mean, you throw a big bait like that. You always say the bigger, the bait, the bigger, the fish sometimes. So. Right. And in Lake trail, I've almost found that to be true 
80% of the time, but there's times I've, you know, I've had like a uh, smaller version of a Bondi wobbler down there. It's like a four and a half ounce version. I've pulled up like 20 inch fish on it. So it's like little fish, big heart. You're, you're going to be there someday, little guy, but keep on, you know, keep on eating. They're looking up to their big brothers and yeah. sisters eating those big, those big baits and trying to get big like them. Ab- absolutely. Um, another thing, it's like the big fish roam together you know, the other day we were pulling one up in the mid teens and I looked down and there was another one rolling with it. That was like every bit of 15, 16 pounds right to the surface out of like a hundred foot of water or something. I mean, it's just it's like, <laughs> how cool is that? I mean, I know up on the superior, those guys see that, you all know, up the there it's it, all the time. Those guys are seeing, you know, 20, 30 pound fish rolling together. And it's, you know, when you see it down here, because end of the day, we just don't have the huge fish in Grand Traverse Bay that Superior does. I mean, Superior, yeah, I mean, and then you go up, you know, your Great Slave Lake, uh, Big Bear or Great Bear Lake up there and Northern Ontario and Northwest Territories. I mean, those are like the pinnacle of lake trout fisheries in my yeah. mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got Superior as a stepping stone. Then you got us down in Grand Traverse Bay. We don't have monster fish, but we have a world-class fishery in terms of population. Yeah. And that's enough to just keep my mom, my momentum going. It's, <clears throat> I think it's super cool that you're into the lake trout yeah. and cause you talk to a lot of other folks, other charters around the area and things like that. Or people, when they come up here, they're like, ah, you know, it's a damn laker again when they're trolling for salmon or whatever it is. And they, they kind of get frustrated. And to me, I have, I scratch my head at that sometimes. I'm like, you know, everyone loves catching fish regardless of what, right. what it is. I know you're out here after the salmon, but sometimes lake trout get a bad rap. And they do. They absolutely have a, a bad rap. And it, a lot of it is with the charter fishermen. And I think it's because of a lot of it isn't a, the people don't want them because we want them. We need them is the biggest thing. We as charter fishermen need them to keep our clients happy. Um, but when you're targeting a certain species and another species get in the way, it'd be like going out and trolling all night long for walleye and just hammer handle pike jumping on the line. Right. It's the same philosophy. It's, it's annoying. It's frustrating, but at the end of the day, we still need them. And I get the frustration on it. Um, we all want more salmon. I'm just, my business and my philosophy is, you know, more geared towards lake trout because that's what I'm doing. I mean, everybody has something. Every charter fisherman in the state of Michigan has something. You know, you got your destination places, Saginaw Bay, Detroit River, walleye guys. I'm more geared towards lake trout. That's, you know, and it's not that I can't catch salmon. I just prefer not to. And lake trout defense, they're actually a native species and salmon are the quote unquote invasive species. Yeah, the, right? uh, the invaders, the invaders. Yeah. Um, Man, that's just a, that's a whole nother ball of fire. Uh, it's like L waves and too much bait, too little bait. I mean, there's a, you could go on, you could just unroll that ball of string for days. Right. Really. I mean, it's just, sometimes it's just, I try not to even get caught up with it and just keep my head down and just keep Laker, 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 Laker. And if I need a break, I will go fish for salmon on a buddy's boat. I mean, right. or something. All right. So before we get too much into the fish and stuff side of things, tell people about your background just a little bit more um, uh, and how you got into your charter business. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I was born and raised in Northern Michigan. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not halfway through my life. I don't think yet, but oh, man, <laughs> I'm on. pretty young. I feel young. Some days I feel old after a lot of fishing, but yeah, I was born and raised here in Northern Michigan. And uh, man, I grew up fishing with my uh, dad and uncle and grandpa and up in uh 
Platte Bay and Frankfurt were major destinations because they had the salmon craze. Right. They really did. Uh, and then on the slow days, grandpa would pick me up after school and say, hey, you know, we're going over to the Grand Traverse Bay. And the lake trout are really good in Bowers right now. So we would go over and we'd whoop on a bunch of lake trout and Bowers with grandpa. And, or my dad, I remember being out on like trout festival. That's like the big thing in Calcasset County. I was, grew up in Calcasset County. So, you know, on trout festival, we would come to the bay and fill for lake trout. That's just a few weeks ago, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, there was just a lot of memories and that's what I was exposed to growing up was fishing on the big lake and trolling around. And I, uh. I just kind of evolved from that. I did a lot of river fishing for a while and I still do a little bit of river fishing. I wouldn't say I'm a avid fly angler anymore. I, I definitely have really stepped back and that's because of the lake trout thing. I mean, you can have one passion at a time and my passion is definitely, you know, fishing Grand Traverse Bay and Lake Michigan. I mean, there's not, if it's a three hour drive to fish in the Southern part of Lake Michigan to go jig for some lake trout, I'm probably going to do it. I mean, I would drive through the night to go fish superior given the chance if I had a couple days and the weather is right. So yeah, it's just, that's, it's kind of been an evolving, I think all outdoors, average outdoorsmen, whether it's hunting, fishing, everybody involves, everybody has something that catches their eye. And once you feel comfortable and that's what you find, you know, is your true passion, that's what you do. And that's kind of what happened to me. I, I, uh, decided I kind of, I liked helping people catch fish. I mean, I think I found that a lot with my uh, kids and I introduced them to fishing and saw how good they were. And I was kind of patient teaching them. And then I started meeting some people and some friends here and I can take you out. I got a boat. And I realized, you know what? It kind of feels good to make someone else's day because I've caught a lot of fish fish in my lifetime. And then, you know, you kind of see somebody go home and they're like, that's a pretty good day. You know, I couldn't have done that on my own. And all of a sudden I'm helping people. And then it's like, maybe I should start chartering and then kind of talk to my dad about it. And he's like, I've been kind of been waiting for you to say something like you're a pretty good fisherman. You seem to enjoy doing it. You take me all the time and you catch and fish and why don't you give it a shot? So I went and got all my uh, legal credentials and my master captains and my insurance. And I had a 19 foot center council. And I kind of ran that around for like a couple of years and did the river thing. Cause I was still kind of, at the beginning of my charter fishing, I was still doing a lot of river fishing, right. you know, fly fishing and specifically steelhead. So I was doing steelhead trips and it just seemed like a lot of work, you know, on the river and a lot of knot tying and a little payback. And I think the weather was the biggest downfall for me. It's not that I couldn't handle the weather. I just really am not a fan of cold weather. Right. And then I kind of went out on the boat, you know, I was still doing the lake trout thing and we we're kind of whooping them. And I'm like, you know, I think it's time for a new boat. And so we, we picked up a new boat last year and one that's a little more family friendly for the girls with some cushions on it and stuff. And then the ideal boat in my mind to charter, you know, a uh, Roballo came in a 226 is what I'm running now. It, it's got a 250 on the back, a lot of open deck space in our council. And, you know, we can shoot. We had seven guys on it, could do eight guys comfortably. And Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big vessel. It's a ton of deck space and. I know the water was calm that day when we went out. We'll get into our fishing excursion, but it was a blast. I mean, that there was so much room on the boat. The boat was, uh, I thought, well thought out by Roballo. You know, just j- just from a standpoint of, it was almost like it was geared towards a guide. You know what I mean? It absolutely is. Um, it's a Bay Series boat. Um, it's a, flo- you know, it's a, it's a 
bay boat, an actual true real bay boat that was designed. You know, I mean, Robalo is based out of Georgia and all the idea, ideas behind the boat are, you know, coming out of the right. Gulf and on, yeah. you know, the eastern side of Florida. And so all those guys that are working down there and fishing like crazy people that, you know, we're all jealous because of the wintertime yeah, here. Exactly. We all want to go down there in the winter. That boat is, you know, based from those guys' input. The model is about four years old and they've really tuned it in and they keep tuning it in. And the boat is, it's a dream for Grand Traverse Bay. I mean, if it, I'm going out in three to four footers, you know, it's comfortable to run across three footers now. It's not a problem. When it's glass, I will literally go over to Wisconsin. If, I, if I've got the right port and I think there's a reason across the lake, I will confidently do it in that boat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's ideal. It's, it's a great family boat. You know, it's got everything that uh, my family needs and the girls, you know, when customers ask if there's a uh, bathroom on board, and I say, actually, yeah, there is. You know, step down in here. There's a bathroom you can use. They're like, look at me. And they're like, oh, this thing really is nice. You know, so I mean, you got to have a good vessel if you're going to be working out of it. And uh, I feel like right now the boat that I have is yeah. ideal for what I'm trying to do: the jig in the lake trout, and you know, the troll in the walleye. And the, I even took it down uh, down to Detroit River. And my buddy Matt there, he said that uh, he's like, man, he's like, I'm about ready to trade up my lunge right now. He's like, this is the way to go. And I know there's a. I think he recently did. Uh, did a podcast with Eric Long. Eric Long's running that Robala 226 too. Yes, so, he is. Yep. And I, he he and I, I think he mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, he and I both uh, have talked about our boats, and it's pretty pretty universal. I think he was even trolling salmon out of his, which is... Do you have downriggers on the He back? does. I, I, I know he's running riggers. So. Wow. Yeah, it, it can be outfitted. I mean, it's a good boat. So definitely, uh, if you're looking to check one out, you know, we have them at uh, Grand Traverse Bay Marine, but... Just call me. You come to my house. There's you got so, photos of it on your website. Now, I do. That? Yeah, I yeah. do. So it's it's a good boat. It is. It's it's the right boat for what I want to do, and you know, get me there, and you know, keep clients. That's the number one part is keeping clients happy. They yeah. got to be comfortable and dry. It's got to be good ride. So yeah, glass is definitely a good way to go. So you got into the the guiding part of things. Now you don't do it full time, right? Because you're no, no, I don't do it full time. I wish I could do it full time, um, but. At the end of the day, every charter fisherman, there's probably very few of us that actually, you know, can make it full time, especially living in northern Michigan. And my philosophy is I don't really need to travel around to every single port and, for lack of better terms, sell myself to, you know, different ports. I mean, I want... I'm not experienced in one port as I am Grand Traverse Bay. So Grand Traverse Bay is my home and I'm not going to sell myself on a walleye fishery down in Saginaw or, you know, Erie. I'm just not that guy, nor do I have the time for it. So I want to be home every night on my days off from my job, be with my family. And I want to work Grand Traverse Bay. If I could work Grand Traverse Bay every single day of the summer, I would. But, you know, we're, I'm still building a business and any good business takes five years to build. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I got a I got a regular job. I think a lot of other charter captains have a regular job too. I mean, it's just it's such a grind. I see. It I've, is. I, I've interviewed a couple of you guys now, and you know, I have such a high respect for what you guys do because you guys have families. You guys have regular jobs. Like you're flying out tomorrow for your job mm, for a long. Period, I am for yeah. a long period. Of time. I am, and then you come back and you land, and then you got. You got bookings, right? Yeah, I come back on, I think, the 18th of June, and I am fishing the 19th, and I have seven or six days Such in a, a row. Grind. And it's, I mean, it's cool. I mean, to me, it's something that I love, and 
it's not, it's not just a job that I, you know, the charter fishing has a job. It's not fishing and I'm going to walk away from it to go to my regular job, but I'm still running a job. I've still, you know, I'm still running the charter business. I've got advertising. I've got new bookings coming in. I've got two other captains that help me out and I've got to line them out with clients. And, you know, I have a calendar that I got to, you know, keep them going. So it's, it's a full-time job, even in the off season, it's a full-time job because I'm still work, working on bookings for next season. Are you yeah. going to shows and stuff like that? The um, stuff? That is something that I'm going to go into in 2020. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we're going to start doing the shows and I'm going to have to, uh, fit that into my calendar so yeah so let's get into our day of fishing oh boy yeah that was a good time which i loved (laughs) it was awesome for me because since being up here in 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 traverse city you know i'm from downstate so i didn't know anybody up here right and i've always had to venture out by myself in these new fisheries with my boat and try to figure it out by myself never an easy thing never an easy thing when you're a in a 16 and a half foot boat you have a tiller and you're going out into Grand Traverse Bay, which can be intimidating and you have to pick your days out there. Absolutely. Cause you I pick your days and I'm by myself. So right. I got to figure out which days I can get out there. But when you offered for me to jump on your boat, I jumped on the opportunity because, uh, Brennan was talking about, you had a unique program about how we chase these, these yeah. lake trout, herring and whitefish. Yeah. Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like you mentioned the boat thing, I too had a aluminum boat yeah. and I picked my days and those are gone. I don't, I, when I see 10 mile an hour out of the North, I'm like, oh yuck, but we're going to still find. And the cool part about Grand Traverse Bay is whatever the wind with the exception of a huge North blow, you're going to be able to fish and you're going to be able to fish lake trout pretty much 90% of the time, except for the time when it's blowing 20 mile an hour consistently, because there's always a place you can hide in the, you know, the places, uh, there's just a lot of depth contours. So the fish are on that. So when you call me, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, you and I worked on it for days yeah. to get out there and all right, this is what we're going to do. We're, you know, I'm going to shoot you out there after work. And I, you know, my program right now, it's, it's casting blade baits. I mean, the temperature is like ideal for it. Earlier in the week, I caught a fish up on the break and like 30 foot of water cruise in a you know, a nice lake trout. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh-huh. It's that time of the year. All right, let's do this. So, you know, uh, I busted out the old casting rods, the medium heavies and called you. I'm like, this is something that you've, if you've never casted blade baits on Grand Traverse Bay for the lake trout, the whitefish, and the, and of course the Lakers, you're really missing out because it can literally be every cast. Right. Yeah. We've, well, we, we found that out when we got out there because we got <laughs> to a certain point where you were catching them every cast and I wasn't. I was like, what yeah. am I doing wrong? Yeah. We'll get into that. Well, cause I want to talk about colors and everything. It I is, was yeah. banging my head off the wall. I, I could out. see the a little angler frustration in the front of the boat. I'm like, just stick with it. Keep casting. Yeah. Bro. You'll get it. Once you and it's a feel thing. It really is with the setups and stuff. You know, you got the braid on there yeah. and you're, it's a different feeling to be casting out into 60 foot of water, or, you know, even a little deeper and let it, you know, you don't have to let it all the way go to the bottom. I think right now the key with the temperatures is letting it fall. Yeah. And then just, man, you just got to uh, twitch it back and work it. And you got to work it a certain way, I think. And once you start feeling those bites, bam, it's like, it's not hard to do. It's not a hard thing to do. Tell everybody the demographics of the bays first. First of all, for folks listening to this, if wherever you're at in the country or wherever, uh, Grand Traverse Bay is split into an East Bay and a West Bay. 
and it's got a huge peninsula dividing both. And really, like you were saying earlier, the only wind that can really get you into a, a lot of trouble would be a true north wind, anything over 10 miles an hour. Right. right yeah. That's when you're going to see, uh, you know, your three footers are going to kick up. Right. And so the these bays are, you know, they were glacier formed. So they're extremely deep in the center. I wish I think East Bay is the deepest. East right? Bay is the deepest. Yeah. It's like over some, 600 feet, right? Yeah. We, I think there's a spot out there like just around 630 foot or so. But you can consistently just for the speed of the show and everything let's just call it a 400 foot to a 500 foot basin right and so when we're going out and anglers are going out to fish these bays you're going to see a lot of drop-offs immediately out of whatever port you're going out of absolutely and you're going to go and then you're going to keep driving on your navionics or your lake chick or lake master's chip whatever you're doing and you're going to see sunken humps out there like you normally would like uh you know like in saginaw bay or or, or erie but it's going to be a lot more dramatic. It's going to come up extremely fast and it's going to come up to from whatever, 200 feet. And then it's going to come up to what your 60 foot plateaus or whatever. Yeah, There's some sixties out there. A lot of it is your, uh, up out of 400 right up to like 150, right? Okay. You know, kind of tabletop flat. You can call them reefs kind of like out on the ocean. It's a yeah. reef. Yeah. So, and, uh, I think that's not the way to go early in the season. Cause the water temperature, I mean, right now we're gaining about, two tenths of a degree per day right now. Right now we're probably, I think last night I had like 80 or 38.6. Yeah. We were fishing 37. At yeah. That and day, that was right? just like four days ago or right. so when we fished. So it's coming up pretty quick with the rains and stuff, but the water's so cold right now. The fish are literally like in the wintertime, they're top to bottom. They can come as comfortably live in 400 foot of water at, you know, as they can at 30 foot. So in a sense, I don't want to use the word pelagic cause that's not the correct word because they're not swimming up and down that fast like a pelagic fish would. But in a sense, they are. They can live at, in the winter months, they can live at any, any temperature. But they are temperature dependent. I mean, when we roll here into July, I know um, the water temperature is going to play a big part because our surface temperature is going to go up to 70. So you're not going to find them 20 foot down. You're going to find them down in 120, 100 foot. Right. You, know, you might get lucky to find one around 85. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there is a lot of cool... Uh, demographics to the bay there's a lot of my you know i've we all have favorite parts of our bay the bay and i spend a lot of my part i would say 80 percent of my year my charter year is on east bay but yeah and specifically when we went out we were targeting a certain depth of water based off of um a obviously where the fish were at but it seems like they were hugging which i was surprised because when i fished for them I fish for them in the summertime. I was fishing for them in 100 feet plus. Yeah, right? and that's completely normal tactics in the summertime. Yeah, and I had no idea that they do come up that shallow to where we were fishing, which was anywhere between 30 to 60 feet, right? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely in May, uh, early May, in this 2019 May. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to be uh, shallow for a while here. I mean, we could be this shallow until June. Well, the base froze over too this year. Yeah, and they did last year. and Which is kind of not super rare, but it's like hit or miss depending on the winter that you have. Right. I walked on the bay last year and that was the first time I walked on the bay since I was like six years yeah. old. So I made my uh, daughter, the oldest one ice skate. I'm like, cause you're going to remember this. This might not happen <laughs> for right. another 30 years. So. Exactly. Yeah, it definitely, it's, I can't say it's a rarity cause it did happen two years in a row, but it, uh, it affects the fishing when you can get where they're going to be. That's the thing. Well, you yeah, think absolutely. About. I mean, it's going to affect your water temperatures. And if you have a cold spring, I mean, you got right. cold surface temperatures. Yeah. It all, you know, it all 
you know, rolls into a ball and you just deal with it. And when you and I went out there, I was like, this is a program. And I know this isn't something you've done before. You need to throw the blade baits. You know, it's a shallow water bite. It's fun. I mean, essentially, it's kind of like throwing a crank for a smallmouth bass or something. You know, you're just searching and they're there. They're stacked on that break like you wouldn't believe right now. Right. They're there. You just got to you got to put the, you know, the uh, pieces of the puzzle together. So we would find these breaks. We would cast out these these blade baits as far as we could throw them. Yeah. uh, CFAF is what I coined it this week. Cast far as far. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just just zing it give it the two-handed uh the sur the beach surf cast as far as you can go and just let it sink you know let it get down there and then uh, just work it back to the boat and there's definitely a little trick to it because you gotta you know you're searching so you gotta you know i've been putting uh the follow the contour mode on my eye link and uh heading it into the wind and rolling at about 0.3 to 0.4 mile an hour and, you know, casting it off the bow of the boat, you know, at a 10 o'clock. And by the time you get it back to the boat, you're at about a uh, seven o'clock. And what were the name of the, the blade baits that we were running? Um, I was running and I don't want to RJ's or AJ's. It's RJ's. Yep. And he's out of Houghton, Michigan. He's a new guy that's making them for me this year. Uh, and his trip or excuse me, trip. Um, his blade baits, his paint schemes are some second to none. I mean, I've been in contact with him kind of like for three or four weeks now and just kind of working with him and yeah. these blade, his paint is amazing. I mean, yeah. Those North, those UP guys kind of got it going on. I mean, they got moonshine up there and everything. So pro nav. Yeah. Dude. Pro nav Travis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Travis is, he's like, man, this stupid guy from grand Travers, you know, grand Travers Bay, Bob. I mean, no, Travis is cool. Yeah. He's a really good fishy well, cat. And I think he's like a lake or not too. So not only, okay. So they have long winners. They have one of the best engineering schools right, in yeah. the United States up there. So they have a lot of time on their hands to think because they when do. they're not, because there's a lot of ice, there's a lot of snow and they're like, shit, if I'm not fishing, I'm going to think of something that's going to better fishing. Right. And it seems like those guys, like all the good stuff comes out of UP sometimes. Well, all that sh- shovel in the snow, trying to get out their front door, <laughs> they've got to have something to think about. I go insane too. So yeah. no. Uh, so yeah, I've been using the RJ's uh, three quarter ounce. I mean, I think that's key. You could throw one ounce, uh, one ounce blade baits are kind of a little trickier to come by. You kind of got to have a special maker for that. And then you got to right. put your paint together and everything. But yeah, RJ has been good. Uh, Silver streak, you know, you can get those right off from fish USA. I've, I've been running those. Those are good. They've got, um, I think in this general rule apply to all light trout white, the color white is your staple. Yeah. Yeah. It's really your staple color. Yeah. And, and we were casting them, we were letting them, you told me to let it sink for, you give it a 10 second count or whatever it is, it's going to drop to the bottom and then you start ripping it back. And we have that, uh, you said medium heavy rods that we were just spinning rods. You can use your spinning rods and it was with braid line. I think you said suffix. Yeah. So pretty much my, uh, casting and my, um, you know, when we're throwing blade baits and my jigging rods, I'm either running a casting or a spinning. It doesn't matter. It's personal preference. Okay. Um, jigging, it's obviously faster on casting because right. you're just dropping it vertical. Um, seven foot, medium heavy, you know, keep it basic. Don't You don't have to go out and have a $200 rod. You can do it with like a, you know, the cheapest seven foot right. medium heavy rod. It's just preference. Um, 15 pound braid. You can go 20 if you want. I've ran 20. I've ran 15. doesn't really, you know, it's just sensitivity. I think 15 is ideal when you're throwing the blade baits, 20 when you're jigging. 
Um, we were running the, what, the Suffix 832? Yeah, right? Suffix 832. I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that was it's, great. It's, it's a great line. Here's a question for you. Now, the Tran- Grand Traverse Bay, for anybody knows this water, if you don't know, it's gin clear water. Like when I say gin clear, it looks like Caribbean water, folks. And it is. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that can, you got to think about that, though. So, my question to you is anybody else going for lake trout wherever they live in their areas? Are you tying a fluorocarbon to the braid? The braid? I absolutely use fluorocarbon. Yeah, because it's they're gonna see it. <sighs> I don't know. What's I your mean, opinion on that? I mean I, I think they're so hungry they're just gonna eat it because they're lake trout, to be honest. Um but yeah, I mean I wouldn't go out there and sling twenty pound floral around because right. doesn't that take away what we're trying to accomplish? Not trolling them. We're fishing them on light tackle. So why right. do we need to run 20 pound floral when we can get away with 15 or 12? Right. And you know, we've got the spinning reels or the casting reels and, you know, and also, you know, I think it's, it's a little nicer on the fish too, when we're bringing them up out of those depths in the summertime to go a little easier on them, let them, expo- you know, let them get rid, you know, blow their air out of their bladder and let them come up so we can work on that catch and release thing, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yeah. Catch we're going to get into that a little bit. <laughs> so we're, yeah. So we're ripping these blade baits back to the boat. Um, you know, we get into it and you, you find the magic touch of whatever you were doing, but it was interesting to watch you work it because, you know, this is super cold water folks and these are cold water species. So, you know, I think ripping it back at different speeds and things like that can trigger the bike. Cause really it's the fall, which I figured out after ripping it back was I had to imagine my blade bait underwater and how it was looking to the fish when it fell. If I was ripping it too fast, I had to slow it down and I just, just do longer rips, right? Because yeah. I was, I think before when I was working it back, I was working it back with too fast of an action of a rip. I wasn't giving it that long kind of rip back that you were talking about yeah. and kind of sending out that blade bait, letting it flutter and then letting it sink. And that's when I started doing that. That's when I got lucky and hooked into that bigger one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's when it comes to the fish, it's kind of, you know, I think a, a lot of fish eat differently. Yeah. And I think your bigger fish, you know, uh, they're going to attack differently than your smaller fish. They're obviously big and fat and lazy. I mean, you see a great big guy at a Chinese buffet. He's like more slow going up there, you know, because <laughs> he knows the food's not going anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's the big fish that we were targeting that day. They uh, they were definitely on it a little different than the smaller fish were. Um, and it, a lot of times those fish will go, you'll feel them. Right. And you'll miss them. And then you can speed it up, you know, give it two quick rips and then let it long pause, three quick rips, pause, pause, you know, change it up, play with them. It's and a, a neat part of it. I did a lot of streamer fishing for brown trout and it's the same thing. You just play with them until they finally climb on it hard or it's just right for them. They can, you know, maybe it falls on bottom and you pick it up and whoop, they're there and bam. Right. So and it seems like trout too, you guys, when you, when you fish for these things, there's a lot of like nudging of the bait or going after it and you can feel the misses right oh it drives me insane i had that yesterday i had one like the fish like when we're jigging vertical jigging with our jigging spoons i can feel them pushing it right it's like when you're going down there pushing the bait up and you're like they flip my spoon you come up and sure enough your spoon's flipped it's like they're just coming in there just you know because they're they're predatory they're probably a lot like what a pike does swims by hits it kills it comes back eats it and i see that a lot they'll they'll bounce it you know what I call bouncing your bait, you know, they'll, they'll hit it two times, blow it up. And then finally they climb on it. Right. So yeah, I think they're definitely predatory. So 
there's a lot, you know what I mean? Or maybe I'm just screwing my mind and I should just go out and fish. Well, <laughs> what I, I want folks to realize is if when you go for these things and you feel those hits or those, those strikes that you're missing on, don't feel bad. Keep stick with it because they're eventually they're going to, you're going to get, you're going to smoke one. But you know, if you're feeling those little misses or hits or things like that, you know, you're doing something right because you got it, their attention, right? They're aggressive fish that you know that they're going to go after your bait. Now you just got to figure out how to time it correctly with keeping it in front of their face and then feeling that, you know, you, you didn't yell at me, but you told me, you're like, listen, if you were my client, this is what I would tell you that you're doing yeah. wrong. When I was vertical jigging for them, I was popping it up, but I wasn't keeping my line taut enough on the way back down. And that's when they were hitting was on the fall. Absolutely. On the vertical jigging, like you have to kind of pop it up. I would say fast. Yeah. Pull away from them fast. And when you pull away fast, you're kind of almost getting, yeah, you can pull it slow and pull it up four foot or you can, you know, use that, you know, that speed of that spoon coming up, pop it up fast and move it like three foot and then just follow it down nice and smooth. Don't let your line just fall and, you know, let that spoon flutter. Right. And I am a ridiculously huge fan of the Bink spoons. I mean, there's probably no other spoon at this point that I'm going to put on my line other than a Bink's one ounce. And those things flutter like nothing I've ever witnessed. I mean, Kevin, the owner and old man Binks, when they designed that spoon, I mean, they hit a home run. It's probably the best spoon in the country. Yeah. And I, I was researching these Bink spoons and things like that. And they look legit. They come in a lot of different colors. Yeah. It, and, we were getting more colors. A lot's changing in the Binks lineup right now. And they're good for, they've got smaller ones for ice fishing. Yeah. They have a whole line. Yeah. And they also, they're good. They, these same spoons that you guys use for the lake trout, you can use for salmon too. Yeah. We've got a, I've been working with Kevin on and off like the last year, but when I went out in Platte Bay last year, I was using the one ounce in the coho. We're jumping on it. I'm like, you know, I mean, what can you really ask for more? A bait that you can catch walleye on, you can catch a salmon on, you right. can catch a lake trout on, you can catch them on, catch bass on it. There's a guy out of uh, Craig, one of the uh, guys, the pro staff guys for Banks, and Craig like whoops on wipers and all sorts of stuff out in Kansas. He's going to come fish lake trout with me and, uh, the first week of August. So oh, yeah. pretty exciting. He'll get a kick out of that. Come from yeah. Kansas. He's, yeah. He's looking for a deep water jigging seeing experience. Some big water. Some, something that's going to actually pull his rod really hard. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, but yeah, going back to, uh, the jigging cadence, it's, it's important, you know, going down, yep. you got to watch your line or feel, you know, that's when your sensitive higher end rods come in, you know, just wait for that little bounce because a lot of times it, they bounce it and they're going to keep bouncing. You can lift up because they've ate. Right. Eat it. it went from blade baits to, to the jigging one. Tell folks kind of the technique that we're doing now. So what we, so what I guess the biggest thing is do what you normally do when you're trying to locate fish, go around and we locate them beneath your boat, hit the spot lock or whatever it is, yeah. ghost anchor, and then drop it down to them. And then from there, which you just, it's like a video game. It's like yeah, ice fishing. I call it video fishing. Yeah. It's just like ice fishing. I've had a lot of clients that ice fish avidly, but have never came out with me. Right. And they say, you know, this is just like ice fishing. Yeah, right. It is. Cause we're using our electronics. I mean, the electronics at this point are so ridiculously good. I can't imagine where we're going to be at in 10 years. And I rely on my electronics, my hummingbird electronics, my Solix unit so much. I mean, I can look at the fish at this point 
And I'll tell you if I want to fish to that fish or not, because a lot of times I won't. Right. I just don't like how the fish looks laying there. It's laying right on bottom. Its belly is on bottom. It's not going to move. It's probably because it just ate like a thousand alewives and is like blown up like the Goodyear blimp. Right. It just, I'm not going to waste its, its time. Move, right. Maybe it's already been caught. I don't know. I can't say that it's not been caught, but I'm looking for the fish that are 10 to 15 foot off bottom. If they're in packs, great, because then they compete and it's going to be an instant hookup. I mean, if you can find four or five fish together in a hundred foot of water and they're 90 foot off bottom, you better get a bait down to them like immediately. Cause you're going to hook up your first jig. Well, the other thing you told me to look for and we were watching too, is on, on a unit like hummingbird, you can see in real time what they're doing. So as you, you can see your lure go down, it's falling slowly. If those fish race up to your lure. Oh, I love it when they do that. And they, and they cover 20 feet within a matter of seconds to go after your lure. You know that you're going to, they're active fish. Oh, absolutely. So, and that's why I mentioned a minute ago there, those, uh, those pods of fish, those, those cruising pods, they're actively feeding, they're hunting together and the water is so clear. Like we mentioned, it's like a glacier lake. It's gin clear. Imagine what it looks like a hundred foot down there and this bait is falling straight down to you. And I mean, they're just fish, you know, at the end of the day, they're fish and they're hungry and they're eating. And all of a sudden this free meal is falling directly over your head and you see it coming down, you know, 50 foot above. Why wouldn't you race up there? before your buddies can get to it and grab that cheeseburger. Right. You know? Yeah, it's falling from the sky. It is. It's like, it's like raining cheeseburgers to them. I mean, you know, alewives or whatever to us cheeseburgers. And, you know, I mean, it's hilarious how many times I can't even count how it's already happened this year. Drop down to a fish. I had a gentleman, he was 74 years old the other day, and he's never done this. He's lived here, you know, a couple of years. And I'm coaching him. I'm seeing this fish race up. And I'm like, okay, stop it. You know, stop it. The fish is there start jigging and his line was already spooled up it wasn't going down i'm like just set the hook because it's already ate it. it he had three foot of line i was laying on top of the water the fish had already ate it. it's like just reel down and hammer it because he's on right he, you know i mean that happens a lot we even with the cisco it's happening so it's funny to use the electronics and see the fish come up and it's like whoa he's already on there i didn't even feel the bite there wasn't a bite because he ate it when it was coming down right so electronics play a huge huge role in this type of fishing if if you you know, I think I coined it video game fishing like two or three years ago. Brendan and I did that because, I mean, I showed Brendan. I'm like, look how stupid these things are. It's such an easy bite, you know what I mean? And he fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. He, You know, anytime he gets off work, he shoots up here. And uh, we just really dialed it in, you know, with the electronics. And if without, you know, whether it's ProNav or Lowrance or Minn Kota, Spotlight, has changed this game. Yeah. It, it has. It keeps you right on the fish. It keeps helps keep the bait in their face, which is what they love. Being vertical is key. Yeah, exactly. Just like anything. You'll hear that in Detroit River, wherever yeah. you're at fishing. But um you know it's a large body of water too. So you're more efficient. You're not going to waste your time on inactive fish. You can see if they're active or not. Like you said, when you drive by I me, mean, if you see that big one on the bottom and it's not doing anything, you're not going to waste your time on that no. fish. No. I mean at this point, you know, I mean, there's so many fish out there. Minutes are fish. Right. And when you're out there on a half day, five hour charter and the bite is hot and we might see 30, 40 fish or 20 fish. I mean, you know, I'm not any prediction on what kind of a person is as an angler, but if their angling skills are on point, we could see, you know, 30 fish a day. Right. Lists, uh, and that's to hand. That's not 30 hookups. I mean, that's to hand in the boat. So if we can hook 60 fish, we're going to lose half of them. You know, minutes are fish. So let's 
get to the aggressive ones. Right. And yeah. Like you said, when you're in a charter, and you got a business to run, you Absolutely. got these clients who are antsy to catch fish. You're like, yeah. all right, we got to go. We gotta keep We're not on. here to talk or socialize. Right. Right. You hired me to put you on fish and let's go. Yeah. I mean, let's exactly. get them. You see now I'm like, no, no, <laughs> don't do that. Lee. Get that one. So, so getting back to, we were talking a little bit about bringing lake trout up from deep water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, having that, having that patience and that um, knowledge as an angler, knowing how to bring these things up. Cause I feel like maybe if folks listening to this, haven't fished for deep water lake trout before mm. these things have bladders that they, they can, do. they can cough up through their mouth and you'll see it. Absolutely. If you bring them up too fast and then you kill the fish. That's a, uh, you know, it's like all it's like fish and perch, right? You know, we've all, at some point witness that bladder sticking out of the fish's mouth. That's the last thing I ever want to see on a lake trail. Right. Have I seen it? Yes. Grand Traverse Bay so far, luckily no. Um, bringing them up at the proper speed is very important, especially if you're going to practice catch and release. It's a huge controversial issue right now. It's been racking my brains for months, um, especially in the Grand Traverse Bay. Anybody that doesn't know out there in the country or specifically in our area, we recently had, the uh the limit change right and what is it now to let folks know? we're down to one fish we can keep one fish which is mm4 zone which mm4 is mm4 which is grand traverse bay right anything south basically of northport over to elk rapid south um actually it's a little further north it's just south of charlevoix okay so yeah just you can research it you know the dnr has a map of all the different zones and mm4 is grand traverse bay and it's basically northport straight line to the east uh, so if you're out there and just be mindful, you want to only keep one fish in 2019 season. So. Currently right now, as you're listening to this, it's yes. good change over the years. And from what the DNR optimistically say, this should bring the catch pound limit back to where it was seasonally of what they want it to be. So that catch limits, will, uh, what they're thinking will eventually change. Yeah. But it's just being dialed back right now temporarily uh for obviously the benefit of the fish which you're saying is controversial because i'll go through it real quick there's a study out there that the dnr did i think it was back in 2016 i want to say and they took two samples or the the study consisted of two bodies of water meaning lake superior and lake huron and i'll just rattle off these numbers real quick to folks realizing the temperament of of lake trout in Lake Superior, when the uh, water temperature exceeds 50 degrees Fahrenheit, based off of anglers' catches, they saw they they had a 43% in mortality rate amongst lake trout, compared to a 15% mortality rate when the water temperature was below 58 degrees. Or sorry, 50 degrees. Now let's compare that to Lake Huron. Lake Huron had a uh, 61% in mortality when the temperature was above 50 and 53% even when the water was below 50. Now the controversy there with Lake Huron was that they're saying that there was such a, a lower number of angler caught fish. That's why you saw such a high number. But you know, the controversy remains with like 
you know, guides like you who practice bringing up the fish slowly in, you know, when you're out for your charter business or with clients or whatever it is, and you release these fish, they take off like any normal healthy fish would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I like to, like we were talking about the electronics going back to that. I can see when that air is coming out of the fish nine times out of 10 and, you know, we'll get the fish up. We're going to pop that hook out. And unless, you know, I mean, and at the end of the day, we're still charter fishing, right? We're still out there. You know, the clients want fish, right? So we're going to keep the right fish is what I tell them. We're not going to go out there and we're not going to slaughter a bunch of fish, especially fish that are wild. You know, I'm checking every, you know, we have a lot of stocked fish. It's a federally funded program to bring the lake track, lake trout back and restore the, uh, the natural population. So we do have natural fish out there. I'm checking fins. So I'm not going to kill a wild fish. Tell folks the difference, how you can tell the difference. Adipose clips. Right. Adipose clips is exactly how they're taking, you know, they're tagging their fish that are stocked. Now the older fish in the bay, because lake trout, I mean, are old. Yeah. We're, that's another thing that fascinates me about these fish is how old they get. You know, a grand Traverse bay fish could be 15 years old. That's 15 pounds. Right. I mean, it could be a little older. It could be 20 years, you know, superior fish, the water's colder metabolism's different up there. They could have 50 year old fish at a, you know, a fish that's 30 pounds. So yeah, I'm checking the clips. We're not going to kill wild fish. That's just, I'm not going to do it. Um, does it matter to other charter fishermen? That's their business. They can do what they want. But me personally, you know, I'm invested into natural reproduction. So we're going to take the right fish. It's going to be about five pounds. We're going to, you know, put back, we're not going to handle them basically. Right. If we get a nice fish and the client wants a picture, it's going to be fast. It's going to go in the live well. My live well is running constantly when I'm out there. I'm not letting there, that water, you know. Warm up in yeah, there. I mean, there's days that it's been so hot. If it's July and it's like 90 degrees out there, our surface temps like 72, I'm throwing ice in my cooler or in my live well, literally keeping that water cold. Right. And get the fish, get them in there, keep them breathing. Don't let them bleed. If they're bleeding, they're probably done. So unfortunately, it's, you know, we're not perfect anglers. Nobody is. So it's real important to me, you know, get them in there, keep them cool, get the pitcher, get them back in the water. And if it takes you 10 minutes to let the little guy or the big guy breathe and, you know, regain himself and then send him, I, I honestly believe that that number will not be 41%, especially jigging, letting the air out of the fish, not dragging them up on gear, you know, downrigger is the traditional way. Not saying it's a bad way to fish. It's a great way to fish. Just, I think I feel the majority, excuse me, the mortality rate is a lot lower than the 41%. So, you know, that's the other thing. It's hard to control studies like this because it is the DNR taking sample sizes from many different anglers, different Mm. practices of anglers, different handling of anglers, different releasing of anglers. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they're onto something with saying that you can affect or harm the fish. If you do X, Y, and Z, the surface temperature obviously is going to affect them to, to what degree we don't know, but then it comes down to like, you just ran through proper handling, proper practicing of releasing and things like that and carrying of the fish. I mean, it's, 
it's up for debate. I, it, these, it th- these, these studies are hard to, to make a, uh, a certain, um, you know, and put a, a numerical value on, on, on what, what's wrong or what's working. But I guess at the end of the day, like you said, just do the best you can to handle the fish with care. Know that these are delicate fish that you're bringing up from deep water. They do thrive in cold water. And, you know, at the end of the day, someone like you who's passionate about it, you're going to be a little bit more heated about the argument that you have with oh, the DNR compared goodness. to yes. the weekend angler who hooks into a lake trout randomly and they're just like, wow, this is a bonus. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very, very passionate with it. And the old cha- or the old uh, saying, change begins with us. Right. I practice that every day in my boat. I look at scenarios differently than the weekend angler does. I see a lot more fish than the weekend angler does. And I'm out there a lot more. Right. And so it's my job to think of things differently. What can I do to keep this fishery going? If I'm going to sit out here and I'm going to work on the fishery, I sure the heck aren't going to just sit there and squat on and take advantage. I'm going to work with, you know, the local DNR office, the clear clerk, clerk here, Zach Smith, Grand Traverse Bay. I talked to him weekly and I, they probably hate me and they probably love me. I mean, right. it's important to have that information. And the, I think some of the best information the state can get are from the charter captains. And if we want this change, we have to change our ways too. We just can't go out there and just whoop fish and just throw them back and catch another. We really need to be taking care of them, respect them, appreciate them, and also work with the state. Is the current science and biology that behind their study accurate? It's as accurate as what they've allowed it to be. Right. It's as accurately, or it's as accurate as what they've given us to work with. They do use an average size, and you know, you and I saw that. Right. I put you out in front of Elk Rapids, and we went to town on two to three pounders. Yep. And then I took you to Spot X, and the first fish you touch is like twelve pounds. Yep. I mean, I think that's what we figured out. Yep. And we had another one come to the boat that was, you know, I missed that one. It was every bit 15, 16 pounds. I mean, so in spot X, yeah, they're considerably larger in that area. Go down closer. And that's, you know, I think that's a lot to do with demographics of the bay. You know, it's diverse out there. There's a lot of, there's a spot I could shoot you out to that's 20 miles out of Elk Rapids. And it has so many undersized fish on it called the herd. If it's a little slow, we'll go to the herd right. and we'll just stay in one spot on spot lock and every drop, we're going to sit there and get a 15 incher. Wow. So, I mean, and those are all stocked fish is what they are. Right. So, I mean, it's there. It's just ours as charter fishermen and recreational fishermen. You know, I mean, if we can get the recreational fishermen, that's going to be the toughest one is to educate the public. And, you know, that's behind this whole change for 2019. That's what I'm striving for is to educate the public Handle the fish properly. If you're going to put them back, you're going to pre- practice catch and release, such as I do myself. Right. Just don't do it with such abandonment that you go out there and you put three fish in the cooler with intentions of keeping one, and all of a sudden you're going back to the dock and you got three dead fish. Right. Because they are going to die in your live well when that water temperature hits 70 degrees in July. Yep. And you can bet that, think about it, from a state's standpoint, you know, they could take advantage of the situation that a lot of folks might be coming back over their limit and not know about these changes and things like that. So they're going to be hammering down not only on boats coming back to the ports, but also you can probably bet if you're in Grand Traverse Bay, they're going to be coming up and parking next 
next to you to see what you got in the library. I can promise you that you there will be more strict enforcement on Grand Traverse Bay. Every launch right now has the update with the rule changes. Yeah, they're taking it pretty seriously. Yeah, well. it's, it's, it's serious this year. They're, not, they're yeah. not joking around. And and it's not it's serious for the state, but we have to remember that MM4, we share it with the tribe, right. the tribal fisheries. And part of the current consent degree is they are allowed to net inside of Grand Traverse Bay. And there are certain areas that they're allowed to net. And when the recreational fishermen and charter fishermen, such as ourselves, did in 2018, we went 20,000 pounds over. 22. 22,000, yeah. 22,000 pounds we went over, which is why they're reducing it down to one. Yeah temporarily and, and is what they're saying. But, you know, like you said, you can't sit there and hold too big of a grudge because they're doing their best of, you know, using the tools that they have to figure out what's going wrong to keep the population healthy for everyone. Because any regulation that comes into the state of Michigan has the opinion of the state of Michigan and also the tribe. Cora, yeah. So it, it's got two sides of it. So it's not like one is fighting against the other. It's not like one is going against, you know, charter boat captains out there rallying against it. I, I, I think your guys' opinions are highly valuable because you're seeing things on a, on a scale way more frequent than what the DNR or what the, the weekend angler are seeing. I mean, you guys are the eyes and the ears on the water at all times. It's frustrating, but it's also like you said, you're so if you're passionate about the fish and you're and you want the the longevity of it for your daughters someday to grow right. up to fish or your grandkids to fish the Grand Traverse Bay and have lake trout, it's it conservation always starts with hunters and anglers. It starts and, with us, and it starts with us. Whether it does. and you know usually we're either on the bad side of it. We can do a lot of damage to ourselves, but also we can also be the ones that help ourselves. Yeah. So the only people that are going to change it ourselves. Exactly. The state can sit there and make laws, right. you know, all day long, but we have to abide by them at the end of the day. And right. you know, that's what I'm asking everybody to do is, you know, let's just play ball. Right. Let's, let's let this, you know, let's do our end, follow the limits and, you know, listen to what the state right. does, state's asking. And you know what, we're going to get a new consent degree. In 2020, they're, you know, they're revising it and it's going to be a new one. Right. And we're going to probably more than I've already been told, we're going to go back to two fish next yeah. year. It's only one season. It's one season. Right. Exactly. And we're going to be back for everybody out there that likes to, you know, smoke your lake trout, you know, or get your two fish limit. Don't worry. It's just one season. It's going to go back. And you know what? In a couple of years, we could easily go to three. If the, you know, the tribal members, the tribal, if they go over, because they're held accountable too. We're in agreement with them right. under that degree or decree. Uh, you know, we could go to three. Right. Not long ago, it was talked about going to three. Right. So, and we've been at two for a long time. Our slot limit is no more. So just go out there, get your 15 inch fish. And if you want to keep, you know, you want to practice catching the lease, do it appropriately. That's all, you right. know, that's what a lot, all the, you know, we're asking. So. I got a question for you. You were saying earlier like the one that we witnessed the other day when you were bringing up that fish and it got to a certain point that it followed your lure all the way up to literally probably 10 feet yeah. beneath the surface. Absolutely. Now my question to you, have you seen that in July when the surface temperature is 70 degrees? I absolutely have. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is so. Here's the controversy. It's if a huge controversy. If we're, if we're bringing the fish up from the depths, 
at a slow rate and they're the, breathing, they're I breathing. Mean, and we're saying that it's a high risk at 70 degrees surface temperature yeah. and we're releasing the fish and it releases fine, but the fish is following your bait up to that 70 degree water Absolutely. gets to the surface, doesn't hit your lure and says, I'm going to uh, go back down now. I'm out of here. Yeah. And so, it hits back down. I mean, they're not going to kamikaze themselves into the death zone if there is a death zone. Absolutely not. And there's a lot of controversy there. And that's the state, you know, their studies saying, okay, this, and at the end of the day, yeah, pro, pro, prolonged time in 70 degrees, the fish is going to die. That's the end of the day. I right. mean, they need cool water. But is a fish really going to die? I mean, I, I see that low light specifically because the fish can't see very well. I've had fish literally break surface trying to eat the lure in July and August. You know, right. at low light, they're coming up. I'll see them come up to 50 foot in the daytime in, in those months. I'll catch them, you know, 40 foot, 50 foot cruising randomly, you know, and they're probably just chilling in the thermocline. They're below the thermocline, but they will swim through that thermocline and come up to eat you know, on the low lights. And so will the, can the fish make it? Yeah. Prolonged periods. Absolutely not. But they will. I mean, look at us as humans, what we put ourselves through. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, we make ourselves go to work, right? I mean, call fishing guys that love to fish, but have to right. do, do reality. <laughs> I mean, the fish will do the same thing. Yeah. Anything for a burger, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Cheeseburger falling on my head. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, they will go out of their norm to eat. All right. Is it something they want to do? Probably not. But, you know, that's where the controversy lies. Right. Who's right, who's wrong? There's all, it's, you know. It's up for debate, folks. It, it is up for debate. That's Just, why we bring it up. But it's, it's, it's cool to talk about. Um, like you said, though, I think the handling... Just, just be smart out there and have a good time fishing and protect our fishery. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we ask 2019, just be mindful. Right. You know, and... And learn from this, learn from the season, start thinking about it, what you're doing out there, not just yeah. out there, just manhandling them because yeah. they are a sensitive fish yeah. and it can be done properly. We just need to change. I'll give you an example. When I went out fishing last summer in July and I was going for lake trout, hanging out with the lake trout were the burbot. Now, for the most part, burbot are going to, they're going to, they're going to come up a lot different than a lake trout depending on the size, but I treated every fish that I hooked up in, in 120 feet of water like it was a lake trout. Yeah. Lake trout, you typically go for their runs. When you bring up burbot, they're going to come up more in like a, a like a walleye, I would say, like head, slow head like shakes. A tire. Yeah, exactly. But knowing that I already had one in the live well for the lake trout that I was keeping that day, you know, I was very apprehensive on what I was bringing up and I brought it up super slow. So, Basically, what I'm saying is when you're fishing this body of water, the Grand Traverse Bay, just know the reality, even if you're not going for lake trout, that you could be bringing up a lake trout and you could be, just know what to do when you get them. Right. And that and that's just not Grand Traverse Bay. We should, you know, oh, we it, should touch yeah. on that. That's all, all Great Lake Lakes trout, yeah. Basins. That's all Lake Trout. If you're point. fishing, if you're vertical jigging Southern Lake Michigan or yep. Lake Huron, practice the same way. If you're up there, I mean, I know Travis. Travis and I have talked to odds and ends about how he handles his lake trout. That's right. And Superior is a lot deeper than anywhere else. So it is. And it's a lot colder. I mean, I think there's summertime temps. I, I mean, don't quote me on this. I think they're like, maybe if they see 60 degrees on the water, they're having a good summer. Oh, so wow. yeah. I, I've fished up there a couple of times and it's like, 
really cold in the middle of the day because of the water. So then you're yeah, and these fish are, like I said, are native to the Great Lakes. So you're going to see are. them in Huron. You're going to see them. Uh, people are catching them in Erie. Now, Erie's not really not that deep, but still, um, you're going to see them in Superior, like Michigan, Ontario. They're going to be everywhere. They're, yeah, they are. They are. Uh, and we even have them in Inland Lakes here in Grand Traverse County. That's right. So, yep. it, yeah. We have deep lakes here. In, in yeah, Grand we Traverse do. County. We do. We have a couple, and, you know, they're smelting those lakes. And there's even, uh, you know, some of the lakes even have a little bit of a herring population, right. and those fish you know, feed on that. And it's, it's, Same it doesn't thing. matter what body of water you're on, you know, respect the fish. Yep. So yeah, it's, they're a, they're a really cool fish. I respect them a lot. And you know, I would just ask at the end of the day, respect them. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, other than that, thanks for taking me out fishing. Oh man, that was a really good time. Dude, I had a blast fishing with Maud. Oh, tell, Maud, the t- boat t- dog. T- yeah. Tell- my English bulldog. Dude, you, I forgot she was in there. I've got, I'm going to post photos of me and Maud. I was oh obsessed my with Maud. gosh, that dog I've created. I mean, I, I'm probably a little bit of a fishing monster and my dog is like the child version of me. She literally runs from one end of the boat and like, imagine like a 23 foot boat or it could be a hundred foot yacht. She's going to run it one end to the other. And she's literally going to get frustrated and bark at you because Dude, she wants seen, the fish. I've never seen a dog get frustrated. Like when I was, you know, reeling in my lure and I would get back and I didn't have a fish on it. Maud would look up at me and like start groaning and stuff that like that. I'm like, dude, I'm like, trying to catch these fish. But Oh yeah. She almost fell off the boat the other day with my dad. <laughs> I mean, he like grabbed her because she was like trying to like get closer. Like he was reeling one up. And I figure like when it's like 10 foot down, she can see it. I got pictures of her and it's like the fish is on the surface and she's like, I'm like you idiot. She's fell. She's fallen in a few times. Do you I have mean, like a big net to get her or what? Because I don't think no. Uh, she fell off in the river one time, and I don't know if it was a squirrel on the bank or what. There was just a lot of excitement. We had been there like ten minutes, and she was just like freaking out, and she went for a swim in like December down the Manistee River. And Jesus, I got her, but uh, no. I mean, she's a champion swimmer. She has to be because she's fallen off a few times, and yeah, she's uh, she's like a mini version of me. Like if I was like ten years old and fishing, and I was just whooping fish. That's my dog. Just waiting for a fish so. dude those, that's one of those experiences i'll remember forever like i fished with a bulldog before it yeah, was pretty cool she's i don't i don't i didn't really do anything i mean i just took her like every single time i went fishing and now it's almost like it's the hardest thing walking out of the house the charter and then the dog on dogs like at the door i'm like you can't go today because there's clients <laughs> dude but if it's the right clients i have a few clients that's fish with mod and uh i can take her so yeah she's she's something i mean Hopefully, I'll have a couple more years, seasons, good seasons with her. I think that should be your mascot. It was just the, mod. The, the mod dog. Yeah. yeah she's something. And then, I don't, did we have the little dog? My wife's dog? No. Yeah. He's he's starting to turn into a boat boat dog, but that's her dog. So, oh. I don't know. Stick with mod. I like Yeah. That. Yeah. She's she's a cool dog. She is. But she kind of makes a, makes the day interesting if the fishing's a little slow. Tell the folks where they can find out more about you. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I'm in uh, Grand Traverse County. Traverse City, Michigan, Central Coast Angling. You can uh, find me on Facebook, Central Coast Angling, Instagram, Central Coast Angling, website, www.centralcoastangling.com, um, 1-833-2-FISH-TC. That's my uh, 1-800 number if you oh, want to call oh, that. Wow. Yeah, I got the 1-800 number Did you plan thing. that out? 2-FISH-TC. Uh, yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it just made sense. I mean, yeah. it's we're a destination. Destination. So if you want to be lazy and call me from the uh, payphones that don't really exist anymore, so that's awesome. It's a free call, but yeah. Uh, and then uh, email centralcoastangling at gmail dot com. Website, Facebook. Awesome. Got it all out there. Well, so. I'll post all that in the show notes for anybody listening. And dude, thanks for the hat too. It's pretty dope. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 
slowly uh, gaining steam on getting some uh, swag out there. Some people like it, you right. know. I mean, I dig it. Yeah, it's a good hat. I mean, it's hopefully I'll have hoodies here pretty soon. Which we're going into summer. I don't know why I need hoodies, but you know, we get some cold days in the summer, so. dude. Spend a summer in northern Michigan. You'll see why you need a hoodie. Exactly. I'm pretty sure I'll be wearing a hoodie in the July mornings this year. So, (laughs) I mean, it's going to be hoodie and shorts and then some wear. Like, I was bragging about my sunburn that I already have that I was covering up with a hat and a hood the other day in, like, my winter parka out on the boat. So be here before you know it yep but yeah thanks for having me thank you yeah. thank you for taking me out fishing and absolutely uh, we're gonna do it again we'll do it in like june you promised me in june i'm gonna take you back yeah we're, we'll we'll go do something really crazy in june we'll go like to like spot triple x out like 20 miles down, offshore brother. or something just see giants I'm down. just bring mod yeah she'll be there she'll all right buddy there. all right thanks take care. see you there it is folks if you have not fished for lake trout on light tackle after hearing this podcast i hope that Get you jacked up to go do so. Um, you know, toss some 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 blade baits out there, or if you uh, you find them in deeper water and you're parked over the top of them, vertical jig them up with some tubes or what what have you. Just remember, bring them up slow. They do have that air bladder. When you get them up there, kind of handle them with care when you go to release them and uh, get them back in that water as soon as you can after a photo or whatever. But I want to thank Bob for coming on the podcast and remember to check him out over at centralcoastangling.com over at Facebook and on Instagram and uh, give Bob a shout out. Let him know that you listen to the podcast. Okay, folks, that's it for now, though. Remember to head on over to iTunes and subscribe, leave a rating, all that good stuff. And uh, to follow me on Instagram at Freshwater Bites and the new Facebook page, the Freshwater Bite Podcast. And uh, reach out, ask a question, you know, I want to hear from you guys. And as always, head on over to the Sportsman's Nation to check out all the other great podcasts there. Um, If you're into the outdoors, hunting, fishing, cooking, hiking, whatever it is, there's a lot of great content over there for you guys to go check out and uh, more podcasts to listen to. So thank you all. And uh, as always, thanks for listening.